the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Tuesday. I was born on a Tuesday, as you guys who were here last week heard. So Tuesdays are sometimes difficult days. But I'm hoping today will be a day of, of great things happening. I have expectations of, of wonderful things happening. I try and get up every single day and expect for everything to go right, knowing that not everything will. But looking for good, again, is the true definition of the word love. Looking for good is, is, I guess, a noble idea, isn't it? So I try to get up every day, and when, when my feet hit the floor, I try to be thankful that that happened, <laughs> that I got another day, I was given another day, another opportunity. And, and so I approach it as such. Today, today's been a little bit of a test. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Today is a, a bit of a struggle. But as Miley Cyrus taught us, it's about the climb, isn't it? No, I'm not going to quote Miley Cyrus again. But we have, we have a fresh opportunity to kick off a show and uh, talk about what's going on in the world and point out some things that are wrong point out some things that are right, and uh, hopefully share with each other some of the good stuff. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like, I'd like you to be part of the, the good stuff. I'd like you to be part of um, helping us spread the word of freedom and liberty, free speech, free expression of your religion. And you do that by connecting to this show. And a couple of ways you can do it. You can do it via the phone, which the phone lines are open. 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. You can connect with me on Twitter, as so many of you do, at StuntBrain on Twitter. And um, those of you who have the email address and have emailed in the past, that's always the direct way to get to me, but there are days when there are 200-plus emails in that in- inbox, so I don't always get to those. But that email address, mopelka at theblaze.com, mopelka at theblaze.com. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on what's going on with Washington and the healthcare discussion, because it's just the GOP right now, and basically it's Heller, Johnson, Collins, and, and Rand Paul. And those are the ones who are, are telling the White House, they're not going to vote for this bill. There's no way in hell they can. And every time I see one senator say, hey, I might be able to get to yes if they do this, this, and this, I wonder who on the other side of that senator is going to say, well, now you just pushed it into a no column for me. Because one of the analogies we've made about this, this negotiation is the GOP healthcare bill is kind of like a balloon that's not filled all the way. 
maybe a water balloon. But when you squeeze it on one end, it changes the shape of the balloon and stuff goes to the other end and causes more stress and strain on that end. So we shall see. There's a big luncheon happening today, the uh, weekly luncheon that they all get together and discuss what their agenda is. The GOP will meet, and I'm sure Chucky Schumer's having his meeting as well. There's also the story that we've kind of alerted the Syrians that if they, if they um, make another gas attack or prepare to make another gas attack, that we will respond militarily. We will get to that. Uh, there is also um, a story that the CEO of Amtrak, Wick Moonman, I think that's his name, Moonman, he's out, and Richard Anderson, a former airline executive, is coming in. I wonder if Amtrak would run itself like a, uh, an airline. I wonder if Amtrak would take the same approach the United States private airline companies would do if they could turn a profit. I think there's too much legacy freight saddled on top of those, um, those Amtrak numbers to ever get them out from under the hole they're in. There used to be private rail in America for passengers. We still have it for commercial transportation, but we don't have it for private citizens uh, to travel, no passenger rail. So uh, I'm wondering if they can make it happen. Amtrak loses money for every beer it sells. Can you imagine the losses for everything else? Every beer Amtrak sells, according to a report I read, loses money. That's stupid. That's just like New York City. When New York City had an off-track betting program, you used to be able to go into these betting parlors all over New York and place wagers on horse races because horse racing had, had kind of died. And I think it was in the 60s they created, or in the early 70s, they created OTB, off-track betting. And they were basically little storefronts with wagering windows in neighborhoods all around the five boroughs and eventually on Long Island. And OTB was a gambling parlor. And the one that was in my neighborhood... When we lived in Manhattan on the, um, on the east side of the city, not far from the U.N., the one in my neighborhood was just uh, a mess. It was just a bunch of guys, mostly guys, 95% men in there with their racing forms and their cigarettes or cigars. And none of them looked like they had won anything, but they were in there every day. And there was always a crowd in there, a decent crowd. And when and, and OTB, off-track betting, ran for many years, and then a very, very liberal Democrat by the name of David Dinkins took over New York City, was elected mayor of New York City, and he appointed one of his friends to be head of OTB, patronage job, and she, of course, appointed some of her friends to be her helpers, and in no time, OTB was bankrupt. And so... Eventually, the people of New York said, no, we're not going to put up taxpayer dollars to fund the gambling addiction of a bunch of losers, especially if it's losing money. Can you imagine the only gambling establishment in the country losing money? 
I'm not talking about casinos that go bankrupt because they built palaces, as Trump did with the Taj Mahal. But I'm talking about just regular gambling operations. There are, there are bookies that can't go bankrupt just because the way the, the system is set up. But only New York City was capable of doing that. Only New York was capable of creating such a corrupt organization that they could not even make a nickel on gambling. Well, now we have Amtrak, which for 45 years now, maybe even longer, has been operating its 40 different lines all over the country, supported by you and me, all taxpayer funded. And the fares are still overpriced and they still lose money on virtually every single route they run. Every single one. So uh, I'm thinking if we would get some private thinking into Amtrak. So Richard Anderson, I don't know who you are. I know you have 25 years in the airline business. And in that 25 years, I'm sure you experienced ups and downs. I'm sure you saw positives and negatives. I certainly would hope he can bring some of that thinking, some of that brilliance that uh, we've seen because the airlines seem to be making money. But uh, not Amtrak. Losing money every in the hundreds of millions of dollars. So while uh, Bernie and, and uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chucky Schumer are all salivating and frothing about the speculations of the CBO on how many people will lose insurance or might lose insurance and then will certainly die because they're going to lose their insurance over the next 20 years. We know for certain Amtrak is going to continue to lose money as long as it's a government-run property. I'm just, just making a comparison here. And if Amtrak, something as simple as a train that goes from one station to the next, and you pretty much know how many people are going to be on it, can't make money, can you imagine what something as complicated as healthcare is going to be once you put it in the hands of the government? Oh, that's right. We've seen it for the last six years, haven't we? we seven years, I'm sorry. We've been privileged enough to enjoy Obamacare. And it's just getting warmed up, people. Yeah, I'm a little ticked off about today. I got a couple issues to discuss. Um, checking over the show and what's going to happen today, I have a really important story to point out. I, I have requested some interviews with some very famous people. Um, the author and White House correspondent, yeah, he's a... He's a friend of ours, author and White House correspondent Fred Lucas will be joining us at the top of the next hour. He's got something interesting, kind of a bonus chapter to Fred's 2016 book, Tainted by Suspicion. What a great book about the weird elections in our history. Fred's going to be joining us. Another famous voice we requested to join us on the show today Um you might know him from the movie business. Uh, his name is John Cusack. Mr. Cusack, uh, a famous liberal. I think he was a Bernie Sanders guy in the early days. 
So uh, I, I've reached out to John Cusack's personal agent to see if he wants to talk about something, because I have something I would like to discuss with him. And um, so, But I don't know. So uh, Fred Lucas is on the confirmed. Uh, Billy Hallowell was going to join us, but he's now on the maybe Wednesday list. And um, Lawrence Jones, the third, you know, Lawrence Jones, I don't think he's ever coming on this show. You know, we've asked and he came on last week because I mistakenly said Lawrence Jones when I met Lawrence Taylor talking about a, a, a criminal case. It was an accident, innocent. But I don't think Lawrence Jones will be on the show today. We'll see. I think he's got other things to do. I think there's a I think I think. Somebody's got a podcast he needs to do. That's it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we'll get, to, um, we'll get to my story on John Cusack just around the corner. That and uh, there's some crazy stories I told you about the town that elected the dog. We have a dog, a lobster, a fountain, and a town that doesn't know which way it's going. Seriously. And we'll deal with that just around the corner on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Puro Pelka on this fabulous Tuesday here in the Northeast anyway. It's a terrific day here. We are going to uh, touch them all today, as they say. But yesterday, if you were here yesterday, you heard me mention a new sponsor. Very excited to welcome a new sponsor to Puro Pelka, to The Blaze. Uh, Doc's got them on the morning blaze. It's a company called Health IQ. And if you want to know more, Go to healthiq.com slash the blaze, healthiq.com slash the blaze or just blaze. Both will work. It's a life insurance company. I should have made that a little more clear yesterday. I said insurance, but this is a life insurance company. I've been looking to pick up more life insurance just to be smart, you know, and these guys are doing something that is so innovative and interesting, it is basically saying we have found insurance companies who understand and respect people who are health conscious. So if you're health conscious, then you are going to have a better rate. If you are someone who knows uh, what you should be doing and does it, the insurance company is going to look at you and base their rates on things different than, say, just your age, your gender and your marital status. But it's a, it's a really cool program, and I'm going through it right now. So I encourage you, if you're considering health insurance, I can tell you based on my interview with the company and my test that I took, it's a, it's a written test online. Based on my interview with the company, they found me a really great rate on a 10-year term life insurance policy. So good, I jumped on it and said, come on, let's get this going. Let's move this along. So I have a a meeting with their representative at my home this week. I don't have to go anywhere. So simple. Go to healthiq.com slash blaze. Healthiq.com slash blaze. 
You can see what they're doing. They'll show you what their mission is about, is to help healthy people who understand that their, their health footprint and their knowledge of, of their own personal health is uh, going to be valuable in how you get life insurance. So check it out. And I, again, I'll deal them all face up here. You'll see everything that, that I'm talking about. And uh, I hope you'll understand why, why we're excited about it. Now, I have written to a couple of big agents out in uh, Hollywood. I've written to some big PR people in Hollywood because um, yesterday, I think it was yesterday. No, the day before, Monday, just before, just before Tuesday. It was almost, almost midnight Monday night. The actor John Cusack tweeted something that said, message for Trump, message for Trump, you're dead, get yourself buried. Now, it's, it's a picture of a castle, or actually, I, I know this is a church, those are crosses on the top of those, uh, top of those parts of the building. You're dead, get yourself buried. Is that a threat to the president? Does this follow along with what we're seeing from uh, Marcella Arguello? Does this follow along with what we've seen from Kathy Griffin? Does this follow along with what we heard from uh, Johnny Depp in Scotland last week? Should the Secret Service, as, um, as one commentator from Fox announced, should the Secret Service open an office in Hollywood and just be there all the time so these guys could just stop by? Maybe we have a drive through lane. But I would like John Cusack to explain this because this tweet appeared and then was suddenly deleted with no further explanation. But Todd Starnes from Fox saved it. And I appreciate Todd Starn saving this tweet because I think it's important for us to uh, to talk about it. I will post it on my Twitter account at StuntBrain. I'll post it online and, and we can have a discussion about it if you'd like. I, I respect everyone's right to speak freely. But I also think you have to understand that in an era of extremely heated rhetoric that has led some people to try and assassinate multiple members of Congress and, and God knows how many attempts on the president's life have been thwarted. John Cusack, do you really think this is a good idea? You're perfectly welcome to keep doing it, but I just want you to answer the question. Is this a good idea, sir? We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're 
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is, uh, you know, it's, it's just after 1230 here on the East Coast. And I have written to John Cusack's manager, agent type person and his press people. His press people are traveling today, so I don't anticipate a response from that, that group. But I did write to his, his manager, agent-type person. He's with a big agency, one of those really big ones out in Hollywood. He's a name. He's a guy that everybody knows. And I do believe, if I go back and check, we will see that John Cusack was, uh, I think he might have been a Bernie Sanders supporter. If anybody knows differently, go ahead and holler at me. But I posted the tweet that John Cusack put online, yet another Hollywood liberal saying something about the president that I think should disturb you. He's perfectly fine to say it. You just have to understand that you might get a little time with some Secret Service agents. We can't be stirring up news like, you know, this kind of this kind of stuff. I was going to say stirring up something else, and I stopped myself. I'll get back to this in a minute. There is a story that, uh, thank God, one of you in the vast and unpaid resource department tweeted to me. We have, um, we have some breaking news out of uh, Alabama. The Redstone Arsenal in Alabama is currently on lockdown. We're hearing there's an active shooter situation. We have no other information other than that. An active shooter situation in Huntsville, Alabama, at the Redstone Arsenal. If, uh, if anything breaks in this area, we will let you know. But it looks like it looks like they got the place pretty much uh, totally shut down, as a matter of fact. Right now, nothing else on it. But, but my question here, and God forbid this is somebody, somebody to see, uh, to, to ask, is it okay is it okay, John Cusack, to be saying stuff like this when you have people like the, like the jack wagon who went and shot up a, a baseball practice, nearly killed one congressman, nearly killed one member of the Capitol Police Force, and thank God all the people injured, all five people injured, are going to survive. But is it, is it smart, John Cusack, for you to use your celebrity this way? I really would like to know. And that's the question I just want to ask John Cusack. I don't, I don't need him to uh, try and convert me to liberalism or to his Bernie Sanders-like socialist thinking. Although I wonder, I wonder how much of the spoils of his career John Cusack has um, shared with others, with his fans. I wonder... I wonder what is uh, what is John Cusack's net worth? He's certainly not he's not an A-lister, but he's he's well known. So if we were to punch the name John Cusack into the celebrity net worth calculator and see uh, see what comes up, I, I'm I'm thinking it's got not going to be the the massive numbers you see for a, a Brad Pitt or a Jennifer Aniston. But let me tell you. John Cusack, a guy who grew up not far from where I grew up in the near north side suburbs of Chicago, 
is uh, credited in celebrity net worth to be to be sitting on a $40 million net worth. So John Cusack is comfortable. He's probably doing okay. We're not going to have any, any, um, any telethons for John Cusack. But, but Mr. Cusack, if you're a follower of Bernie Sanders or even of Hillary Clinton, um, how much have you donated to the cause? I wonder. We'll check. But is it okay? Would you have been happy? Would you have been silent, John Cusack, if someone had said the same thing about Barack Obama? Barack Obama, you're dead. Get yourself buried. Would that be okay? I posted a tweet right now that has a, that has a poll connected to it. I'd love you to participate in it. I'd absolutely love you to give me your opinion so that if and when John Cusack does decide to join the conversation, that uh, we can tell him, hey, this is what this audience thinks. Maybe you're not the same in terms of politics, but John Cusack, this is what one group of the public thinks, and they buy movie tickets. They buy a lot of movie tickets. So is it wise for you to do that? Mr. Cusack? Is it smart for you to do that? I don't know. Uh, and if you didn't think it was a bad idea, would you, would you explain why you deleted it? Zombie Nixon on Twitter responded, gee, it's almost like Hollywood doesn't want my money anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You have to wonder that. And, um, this one you're going to have to help me on. At Stacyu Sigda, which is probably something backwards. I didn't pay attention. Uh, Stacyu Sigda tweets, is he referring to his own career? Well done. Well said. I see what you did there. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. See, I, I think Cusack's a really good actor. I, I find him to be always intense on screen, and I think, he, I think he gives a great performance. I don't think he thinks about what he's doing politically. I don't think he fully understands the implications of posting something like this on the heels of the comments made by his Hollywood compadre. And by after following up on not just uh, Johnny Depp, but following up on uh, N N Griffin, Kathy Griffin. And more. How many more is it going to take? How many more is it going to take? And then let's go to theblaze.com and see that, yes, there, there is further stuff from um, Meathead. Rob Reiner, who is not a dummy, but Rob Reiner, again, another liberal who only sees the world through his rose-colored, privileged liberal glasses. Another guy who is a Mercedes Maoist. A guy who has his, but doesn't want anybody who's a Republican to get theirs. A guy who will support, and I do believe he supported Hillary Clinton very heavily. Very heavily. You also see the story um, that, that we posted yesterday, that we talked about yesterday. The audio is, uh, is up on, online. It was up, uh, I believe, over the weekend about the Bill Nye writer who's fine with old-ass conservative white men dying for the sake of gun control, the tweet that's gone now. We talked about it last week. 
Um, and she now is telling people this was an update from two days ago after she deleted the tweet when we brought it up. I'm sorry I haven't been tweeting. Oh, yes, Twitter was about to crumble because you haven't been tweeting. I'm sorry I haven't been tweeting. I have a barrage of death threats to sift through. It's like Valentine's Day all over again. Okay, pretty good line. But she also said, between the death threats and the weak insults, my faves were the unintentional compliments like Frank Zappa in drag and an extra in Mr. T movie, which, yeah, I could see that. I could see both of those, but I'm still not going to give these people a pass on calling for the president of the United States or members of Congress or conservative white guys to be targeted just because we think differently than you. Guess what that makes you? That makes you ISIS. Because we think differently than you and you want us dead. You share something in common with ISIS now, don't you? Would you look at that? Am I going too far? Is it too much of a reach? Tell me. 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. Are you seeing more or less of this, this threatening rhetoric? Is it diminishing or is it increasing? For my money, it sure feels like it's increasing. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Well, we still don't have any update on uh, the situation in Alabama, whether or not it is an active shooter going on. But we will keep you posted. We will watch it. I'm sure if there's an update, the top of the hour news might have it. If not, we'll be here after we break for the top of the hour. We're also scheduled to talk to White House correspondent Fred Lucas, former Blaze White House correspondent. He's since changed you know those guys they move around a lot uh fred's the author of uh, a couple of books but the one that was a lot of fun about the election tainted by suspicion he has a new addendum to that book and i think it's available for just electronic download for mere pennies i'm sure and we'll talk to fred about that plus i want to get his opinion on the no camera press conferences I want to pick Fred's brain on this one. I also want to ask him about his new glasses. I'm a geek. I noticed these things. Uh, and I have to say hello to uh, Diana Johnson, who uh, responded to my rant about John Cusack and his tweet to the president, the message to President Trump, you're dead, get yourself buried. Uh, Diana writes, John Cusack needs to remember that it may not always be appropriate to, quote, say anything, close quote. I see what you did there. Very nicely done, Ms. Johnson. We appreciate you being out there in the audience. Uh, also, 
I want to get a hold of Rand Paul on this topic because I know Rand Paul is probably one of the strongest guys about making sure that our our personal freedoms are maintained. Rand Paul is the guy that uh, I, I think is is the best at understanding individual liberty and making sure that we don't have um, we don't have the government with its nose inside us forever and ever and ever. And there's a story on theblaze.com right now from uh, my colleague Trey Goins Phillips just went up about 30 minutes ago. And it talks about the fact that the TSA could be looking through your books the next time you travel. Seriously. How, how do you feel about that? A new uh, bag check system is being tested right now that um, would be requiring all of, all of the travelers to place all of their reading materials into an open bin for scanning. Now, why are they doing that? So far, it's only happening in Boston, Phoenix, and Detroit. But um, you're now going to get TSA agents flipping through your books. I'm just wondering why. Why is that happening? And are you going to be embarrassed by the books you're reading? Um, not me. Uh, and this is just another case, I think, for for uh, using Kindles or electronic readers on your tablet computers. Another argument for that. But if you, you may like the feel of a book. My wife likes to hold a book in her hands and flip the pages. There are people who also believe it's better for your eyes. But now, if you are going to be going through the TSA check-in line and you might have some racy material... Are you going to be embarrassed? Is that copy of Fifty Shades of Grey going to be embarrassing you? We'll see. It's, it's a little disturbing. And the ACLU is obviously going to get involved in this. And I just want to know where Rand Paul stands on this. Because I think, I think Rand Paul, again, one of the best defenders of what we're up to. But why is the TSA doing this? Why is this now suddenly a thing? Are we worried about bad literature getting into the country? Well, I think that 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 race is already over. There's already plenty of bad literature here. Oh, Jesus. Uh, And I wonder, will TSA PreCheck exclude you from this? Because right now, TSA PreCheck, you don't have to take your belt off, your shoes off. You only have to take off an outer jacket when it's wintertime. If you're wearing a sport coat, you need not take it off. So I'm just wondering, will this only be for the people in the regular checkout, or will this also affect TSA PreCheck? If anybody knows, thank you. Join us at Stunt Brain. Tell me what you think. Uh, I did post the poll, too, about uh, John Cusack. You can... You can jump on that and tell us uh, what you think about the John Cusack tweet that he has now slid away from the comment. Uh, and um, thanks to our buddy Kelly at the, uh, at the Blaze Beehive, who said that, yes, John Cusack did, in fact, endorse Bernie Sanders. It was uh, a matter of record in the last election. 
So um, just like the guy who shot up the baseball field and then almost killed Steve Scalise, another Bernie Sanders endorser. Coincidence? I think not. We'll be right back with my buddy Fred Lucas. Opelka. With Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. I was expecting Fred Lucas, our buddy, and maybe he'll call in. I'm sure they'll let me know if he jumps in. Be great to hear from Fred. We want to discuss what's going on. But there also is some... uh, some breaking news happening, and uh, we'll, we'll try and keep you posted. Uh, hang on one second here. Let me see if I can get to this. The, the story out of Alabama where, um, where the um, suspected active shooter is going on, there's a twist and turn in that. And after we get done talking to Fred Lucas, we will talk about the situation at the Red Arsenal uh, base in Alabama and whether or not there's any new information. But I I will share something with you before. Police arrested a man 10 days earlier in that same area, in that same town. Uh, The FBI was on hand for the arrest. And before I get to Fred, I just want to give you about 30 seconds of the actual news report that happened 10 days ago from uh, WAFF in Alabama as a suspect, a terror suspect, was arrested in that town, and they mention a possible link to this base. Well, what 22-year-old Aziz Saeed allegedly did is unclear right now. Madison County Sheriff Blake Dorning did say Redstone Arsenal is somehow associated. The American-born Saeed is charged with soliciting and providing support for an act of terrorism. This arrest eliminates any threat to Huntsville or citizens of Madison County. Authorities. So that was the local law enforcement saying this eliminates any threat to Huntsville or Madison County. Um, apparently not, but we'll, we'll check in with that. There should be some news coming up shortly. But joining us on the phone, former colleague of mine, a guy I love to see when Fred gets a question in the White House briefing. I try and keep an eye out for Fred Lucas because, you know, when he was with the Blaze, he almost never got called on. He was the invisible man. But now now that he's not with the Blaze, I think Fred gets called on all the time. So, Fred Lucas, welcome back. Uh, it's been a while. It's been too long, Fred. Uh, yeah, 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 it has. I, I was going to say that uh, probably has a little bit more to do with the uh, occupants of the White House and the news outlet in terms of being getting the attention but 
Or co- a combination of both, maybe. Yeah, could be, could be. Now, Fred, uh, I want to talk about this uh, this new uh, piece you've got out, The Plot to Stop Trump, that's out on uh, Amazon and everywhere else. But I have to ask you, um, the White House press briefings with the no cameras, are you as upset as Jim Shuto was yesterday? Uh, well, I, I, I do get the grievance. I mean, I, I'm... Um Personally, uh, it doesn't affect me that much because I'm generally uh, generally just write my stories. And uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if, if your primary way of uh, presenting the story to your audience is through audio and video, then yeah, I mean, I I, I understand how it's that would be a clear problem. Yeah, I to me it just feels like it breaks with some tradition. So, well, this, when has this White House not broken with any tradition? <laughs> Yeah, right. Very, very true. Yeah. yeah. That's I think that's a fair point. Just I, it almost feels, Fred, to the casual observer like myself, that every now and then when somebody says to the White House or to Spicer, but tradition, his first answer is to roll his eyes and go, don't hit me with tradition. We don't do tradition. Yeah. Right. We'll, right. well, that is very true. But uh, they yeah, did the picnic. Uh, yeah. Did you? Ne- did... Nearly, nearly every rule. This is, this is 2016 was pretty much when the rules changed. So. And wow. it has been going did, forward. So, Did you attend the picnic out on the, the White House lawn with the merry-go-round? Uh, I, I did. That, that was a pool press event. Oh, because I was, I was wondering if, you know, because that's a tradition they kept alive, a nice family event. It seemed to be good, right. which right. is good. Now, now, Fred, last year and the year before, we were talking about the election on the radio show, and uh, you were working on the book that you ultimately put out, uh, Tainted by Suspicion, and you looked at elections in the past that all had some strange anomalies to them, whether they be electoral college stuff or just the suspected shenanigans like we had in, in the Bush versus Gore election. But now you've got a new addendum, a new, uh, or is this a full new chapter? What is this? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it, it's an addendum, uh, extra chapter, uh, whatever you want, might want to call it, uh, in, in the actual book, Contained by Suspicion. Um, so, uh, uh, but it, it's a democracy. If, if you want to get the full length story going back to the first earliest presidential elections uh, through 2016, uh, you can get Tainted by Suspicion. But if you want to read only about 2016 uh, and some of the controversies there, uh, you can get the plot to stop Trump, and 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 that uh, that book is uh, it's a small, short ebook, and it's available for just 99 cents on Kindle. Oh, that's very cool. So there's a quick that's for, if that's you want to jumpstart, so, so yeah, you want to jumpstart your summer reading. Now, in, in this <laughs> book, as you're saying, the the plot, which I, I love, anytime you use, oh, you said the story. No, you do say the plot to stop Trump. Uh, and there was considerable effort in, to derail Trump and yeah. to to shove him off to the but, side. Is this compared? Yeah, yeah. This, 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 this was entirely, uh, as, as was the case with the other elections feature in Painted by Suspicion, it's largely about, um, uh, one, the Electoral College, which, which was the case in all the other um, elections that, that were written about in the previous book. But, but also, uh, this was primarily more about that length of stretch of time from after the election uh, and to the inauguration day, when there was this all-out effort among some to uh, basically overturn an election. 
Yeah, it sure felt like there was an organized effort to try and find some way not to let Donald Trump put that hand on the Bible and be sworn in, even down to, what was it, Rosie O'Donnell, when she said, uh, can't right. we put John McCain in and have a do-over? <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, you know, going all the way back to 2008 there, as she wanted to. But, yeah, this was, uh, this was something that first... First, it was the uh, Jill Stein, that was a Green Party candidate. Uh, she uh, ended up raising more, about three times more money uh, to get this recount going in three states than she actually raised during her entire third-party presidential candidate. Uh, and, and as it turned out, she had the help of uh, Clinton's legal counsel on this. So uh, through, throughout this whole process, uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, pretty much worked to keep her fingerprints off this, but was willing to have some of her people involved. And, and that's what we did find out later on after much of this happened. Uh, after the Jill Stein recounts just didn't work, uh, there was this effort by a group called the Hamilton Electors. They had been in contact with the Hillary Clinton campaign as well, uh, campaign officials, what was left of it. Uh, some of the high-ranking people uh, that were in the campaign, such as Jake Sherman, uh, and they, they were pushing presidential electors to vote for someone else. Uh, they, they needed to get 37 people, uh, Republican electors, to vote for someone else. And that, that would try to, in some way, flip the Electoral College. Some were try to, trying to push for maybe a vote for Mitt Romney or John Kasich. But that, of course, didn't work. Um, the interesting thing was when the Electoral College actually met, uh, in, in December, they, uh, Hillary Clinton lost more votes than Donald Trump. <laughs> I love I love it when you bring up a fact like that. They spent because it makes me realize they spent all this money. They made all of this noise to try and change the election outcome, and in the end, all of that money cost Hillary votes, not Trump. <laughs> yes, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there there were Democratic electors who ended up voting for. Uh, Bernie Sanders, one actually voted for Colin Powell. Uh, it was just came down to the fact that presidential electors, like a whole lot of Democrats out there in general, just didn't like Hillary Clinton <laughs> as, as much as uh, and any more than the general populace did. And uh, and uh, as it turned out, she ended up losing votes as well. It, even though, I mean, to, to be fair, she did win the popular vote. That was thanks almost entirely to one state, California, though. Yeah, I've looked, I keep looking at that between California and New York. Those are the two states where she had overwhelming popular vote wins, like four and a half million in California and a million and a half in New York. But the rest of the nation, no, it was all, it was all Donald Trump. So just an yeah. amazing story. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and this book, the, the Plot to Stop Trump, uh, uh, available on Kindle, uh, it really, really breaks that down uh, about how the why the popular vote went the way it was. Because uh, if you look at uh, the states where Trump beat Hillary, he beat her by quite a bit. In most, most cases, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania being the exceptions here, but uh, those were very close. But in most states, he beat her by quite a bit where he won. Uh, a lot of the states, most of the states where she won, she won by a much smaller margin than he beat her by. Uh the exceptions were uh, New York and California, especially California. Uh, and and there, there were a lot of factors to go into California as well. 
uh, for one, uh, Republicans weren't really inclined to turn out that year when they know in a winner-take-all state, uh, their vote wasn't going to count for that much in, in the Electoral College. Um, secondly, uh, there was a U.S. Senate race in the state and had, that had two Democrats running against one another. So there wasn't a whole lot of motivation, even down ballot, for uh, Republicans to get out and vote in that state. So, yeah. um, so, so, so that was out there. I mean, there were a lot of factors, and and of course, it always comes back to if the candidates had been campaigning for the popular vote, they would have campaigned much different. Yeah, that's a, that's that whole argument that I I love using whenever I run into someone who's still mad about the popular vote. Uh, his name is Fred Lucas. You, you, if you're a geek like me and you watch when the White House press, press briefings are televised, you'll see him standing up and getting to ask questions every now and then. Uh, Fred also is an author. The book that I enjoyed, the book that came out that showed us past elections and the weird history of some of the strange elections in our past is Tainted by Suspicion. And this is, I guess, the add-on chapter. It's available independently or you can also go out and get yourself tainted by suspicion as well. They're good together. The plot to stop Trump. Fred, I, I love this. Just one more quick question on this one, on the plot to stop yeah, Trump. Sure. Did Hillary ever come close? Were any of these schemes ever close to actually preventing Trump from t- taking in over the White House? Uh, none really were. Uh, there there um there, were, there was a point where uh, Trump's team did get involved in, in the litigation. What could have happened uh, now is that Jill Stein's campaign was demanding hand recount of, in all these three states. That could have delayed the certification of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania until after the Electoral College met. Then you would have had a situation where it would have had to have gone to the House of Representatives. Uh, because no one would have a majority of electoral votes. Um, and if that were the case, well, a House of Representatives would almost assuredly elect Donald Trump. Um, but but I, I, I think I think there, there were some of these Hamilton electors that were hoping that they could convince the House of Representatives, um, many, many Republicans who don't like, didn't like Donald Trump to start with, might put in another Republican, I think that would have been unlikely if it had happened. But but it would have been a uh, would have been a thrilling thing to see, I think, if uh, uh if he had a deadlock electoral college and actually went to the House of Representatives. That's the first time it ha- would have happened since eighteen twenty four. Well and it would have given you another book to write. That's that's the other story here for <laughs> Absolutely. Now, now you're gonna have to seek out another book. But I I appreciate you checking in and I always I always smile and say, There's Fred Whenever you stand up and get a question, and so um, happy things are working out for you, and uh, please yeah, know this is a friendly place for you. Whenever you yeah, got something, I'll, I'll we need to plug. To you, so. Thanks, Fred. Take care. Yeah. yeah, thank. We'll be right back with an update on whatever's happening in Alabama and a couple other strange stories. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Yesterday we talked to uh, Kyle Courtney, a gentleman who has a business just outside of San Antonio and um, hardworking guy. I think he's a very reasonable guy and, and seems to be getting a lot of attention over the billboard he posted that told ABC News, hey, we're through. You know, I grew up with you, but Russia didn't elect Donald Trump. I did. And so uh, I'm working on something with with Mr. Courtney that I I think uh, I think it might be something fun for all of us. His billboard's going to be up for two more months. So stick around. By the end of the show, I will um, I'll let you know that. um, that uh what's going on because it could be something i think it's something a lot of you are going to want to wear i'm just saying maybe it'll be of interest to you we will see uh still to come uh there is a um, a wonderful story that uh i heard today narrated by larry elder that uh i think you're going to want to hear and uh that uh you will it's a lesson you know, we like to have lessons on the show. We do love to teach our history. I like to look back at history and see what happened on this day in history. And I, I will tell you, there were some, some really awful memories of history that, that came to mind yesterday when I read the story about a historical marker that was basically destroyed. And um, the way to, to explain it is to is to tell you it was the historical marker to to make sure that we never forget the story of Emmett Till the 14-year-old boy who was lynched in Mississippi in 1955 it's a terrible story and what they did to that young man was just so awful but the courage of his mother to make sure that his coffin was open at the funeral so the whole world could see what was done to her child. That, that story hit me so hard years ago when it was first told to me. And so yesterday when I, I hear the story about Emmett Hill's marker being damaged by vandals and um, twice now in a month it's apparently been been hit the historical marker that is in Mississippi at the Freedom Trail. It's the first marker on Mississippi's Freedom Trail. Uh, I, I read the story and I heard that this marker, which it's not that old, it's been up just since 2011. And as I said, it starts the Freedom Trail in Mississippi outside of Bryant's Grocery and Meat Market in the the town of Money, Mississippi. Well, when I heard about this, I reached out to the organization that promotes the Freedom Trail because I read that they were going to need to to put the, the marker back together. And I thought, I know an audience that will pitch in and help us get the Emmett Till marker, the memorial, put back together. So I actually talked to the guy who's responsible for 
making sure the Freedom Trail and this marker are um, properly attended to and, and known about in the area and around the country. And uh, I'll tell you the story of what I learned yesterday from Alan Hammonds, a gentleman who uh, just as offended about what happened to the Emmett Till marker on the Memorial Highway as I was. And uh, we'll get to that. Uh, he appreciated us reaching out. Very, very calm and interesting man. But I'll tell you the rest of the story next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Pelka. We're trying to make sure there is uh, no breaking news out of uh, Alabama with the active shooter scene that we had heard about earlier. We'll give you an update as soon as we get one. Right now there is um, no news as I can tell. I'll do a quick check here before we get back to the story we were talking about. But there was a run-hide-fight announcement or tweet at the Army's Redstone Arsenal in northern Alabama. And uh, I guess prayers are always okay, aren't they? Always. The The FBI and the ATF are on the post as, as well as NASA. So um, they're, they're still not telling us much. So we'll see if anything else comes of this. Uh, I do have a poll posted about... The story about John Cusack and the statement he put up and then deleted. So you can take a look at that and see if uh, you care to vote on that. But once again, somebody in Hollywood either joking or remarking about the president and his life. Just very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Before we went away, I was sharing the story with you of what I did after the show yesterday afternoon. After the show, I had a news alert that popped up on my phone that said, Emmett Till historical marker destroyed by vandals. And then it had the additional dash and the word again. And I thought, oh, what are we doing? So I, I dug into the story and it, it is, it is a, a recent story because I thought, wait, we did have the Emmett Till marker in, in Mississippi that was, um, was shot up in October. They found a marker by the river where Emmett Till's body was found after he was brutally killed by... Oh, it's just a horrible story. But they, they had this, this um, marker on the Tallahatchie River where they found Emmett Till's body just a few days after he was killed. As I mentioned before, his mother 
demanded an open casket funeral so the world would see what was done to her son. And the way this young child was killed brought so much attention to the fight for civil rights in this country. It just makes you, it feels like a gut punch when you read the story from back in October where you see the sign. It's just a sign on the, on the spot at the river where, where Emmett Till's body was found and the sign was all shot up. This was back in October of 2016, just a few weeks before the election. And then we get the story from yesterday, actually from, I guess, a couple days ago it happened, that the sign, which is, again, just, just six years old, 2011, it was the, the first marker on the Mississippi Freedom Trail that includes all these landmarks through Mississippi's history with African Americans. And it's just, a, just outside of Bryant's Grocery and Meat Market in the town of Money where, um, where Carol Brandt, a 21-year-old white shopkeeper, alleged that Emmett Till either flirted with her or made eyes at her, something that prompted this horrible, horrible action against this young child. But when I heard that the sign was torn up and burned and someone... It looked like someone had taken like a small torch to it and tried to melt and deface the pictures of, of Emmett Till and the story of his life. I thought, oh, we can't let this stand. We have to make sure this gets rebuilt. So I did, I did notice there was a name associated with this, a guy who runs a PR firm in the area. His name is Alan Hammonds. Tracked him down on Facebook and then finally got the office number. And I got him last night. And he said, while the sign cost about eight grand to put together, the initial sign, because you have to cast it. It's, uh, you know, these alum big aluminum historical markers and the pole has to be there. And then people have to get in on the design and the layout, et cetera. It cost about eight grand for the initial sign. He said it was only going to cost about 500 bucks to fix it to get it back into the shape it was in when they installed it back in 2011. And I said, well, I know, I know an audience that I think would be behind it. And I said, I'd be willing to put up half myself to get it done, and I'll bet you this audience would, would stand with Mississippi and make sure that we restore that sign. He was like, who, who are you? Who, who the heck are you? D totally surprised, I guess, that strangers would call. But he said the interesting thing about this, it's just going to be 500 bucks, And the state actually has budgeted for these markers to need regular maintenance. But the most important discussion was uh, one I guess he's been telling other members of the press because I see the similar line in the Washington Post. And, uh, you know, my question was, who the hell would do something like this? And Hammonds just replied, vandalism isn't new. It's been around thousands of years. And uh, we planned for weather to wear down some of the monuments. We didn't plan for people to expedite it, to make it happen in a hurry. But he said, um, 
And, and I know this audience would have taken care of it. I know this audience would have stood up and given a dollar here and a dollar there till we got that sign fixed. But he said the state has budgeted for it. And even in these days of austerity programs in every state around the country, they're going to make sure that, that the, uh, the Freedom Trail in Mississippi is uh, kept in good shape. So while, while you didn't have to do anything, you guys should know that, that uh, this audience, I'm betting you would have. And I, I, told, I told the gentleman, Mr. Hammonds, if you ever do need something, if we can ever highlight the Freedom Trail, because I think it'd be a fascinating trail to do a story on, I wish I were close enough to drive it and see the whole thing. Uh, if we ever can cover it, we will. So if anyone here in this audience has ever visited the Mississippi Freedom Trail, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to see whatever photos you have of it. But the story, the, the full story is also on the Washington Post. But uh, again, a reminder that no matter what's going on in this country, there still are pockets of stupidity everywhere. And while Mr. Hammonds was quick to pass this off as vandalism, I think we all know what it is. It's not vandalism. This was this was racism. This was ignorance. This was the worst of us trying to trying to change the way the rest of us think. And I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen on my watch. Not now. Not ever. Michael Pelka and Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. I told you guys, I told you, you are the smartest audience on the face of the earth. I have told you, uh, if I've told you once, I've told you more, more than twice. No, I've told you many times. This is a very smart audience. We asked uh, in the vital question poll if you think the GOP health care bill will pass this week. Resounding numbers, overwhelming numbers, 73% of you said no. Absolutely not. And now we're hearing that Mitch McConnell, Senator McConnell, wants to change the I want to change the bill, uh, get a new CBO score, and vote the week after the 4th of July break. Well, thank you. Can we just stop the symbolism? Can we absolutely put a stop to doing these symbolic votes based on, well, first one, the first House bill that failed miserably was supposed to be passed on the day that they signed the original Obamacare bill. It was a giant finger to the Democrats. At least it was meant to be that way. And it ended up being a finger in their own eye. And now we were going to do this on, on the, the break for Independence Day so we could declare independence from Obamacare. Instead of worrying about ceremony, worry about policy, worry about the actual bill itself. That's the problem. And it's a problem on both sides of the damn aisle. 
But lately, because they're in control, it's the Republicans who are looking like idiots trying to create ceremonial events. Just stop it and do your job. The, the accolades, the ceremonies, the parties will follow the successes. You know, you, if, if you want to become good at something, you don't go build a prize closet or a prize cabinet where you're going to put all your awards. You learn your craft and you do your job. And when the awards come, then you find a place to put them. We're doing it bass backwards. And it's the same thing that's happening among the, among the, the kids and you wonder where they got it from. The example is in Congress. The example is in the House and the Senate. Where we have decided that we are going to push ceremony instead of actual policy. We're going to make, we're going to make things significant. It's going to happen on the day that Obama signed Obamacare bill. And, and uh, guess who? Uh, yeah, that that Biden guy whispered in his ear, this is a big effing deal. Yeah, we're going to show them a big effing deal. You showed them a big effing failure. And now this whole thing about, oh, we're going to get we're going to get this done. That's the worst Mitch McConnell impression ever. We're going to get this done before the Independence Day break. You dopes. You absolute dopes, you squander every good opportunity you get because you're all captivated by ceremony. It's not something the founders were about. No, one or two of them might have been. But it isn't what got stuff done. I can't wait to hear this. I can't wait to hear this excuse. And then, of course, we're going to have a a press briefing where where Spicy's going to be able to tell how upset the president is, but he'd rather have it less mean and be able to pass than anything else. We'll keep you posted on that. In the meantime, we're trying to figure out what the hell's going on in Alabama and, and what's happening with, uh, with this reported active shooter situation at, at one of our arsenals. So we'll keep you posted on that. Coming up in the third hour of the show... A really interesting lesson from the people at Prager University. Are you following Prager University? Do you support Prager University? Just some great stuff. And this one, this one's tremendous. We'll, we'll have to get to that. If I have time before we get out of here this hour, I'll get to uh, the story about the town that's uh, electing a dog as mayor. And you know, maybe, maybe a dog would be a good majority leader in the Senate. Maybe a dog would at least be loyal to the people that put him there and not to the the power groups that are pulling the levers. I gotta change change lanes here for a minute. Do I go with the inspiration or the silly? Inspiration silly. Inspiration or silly. Well, let's go with inspiration. Have you ever been to Rome? If you haven't been to Rome, I hope you get to go one day. And I'm not talking about Rome, Illinois, or Rome, Georgia, or any of the other Romes in the country. I'm talking about Rome, Italy, where the, the magical Trevi Fountain exists, or the Fontana di Trevi, as it's, re, as it's known, the beautiful Baroque fountain. One of the most stunning things you'll see. First time I went to Rome, it was under repairs, which is kind of depressing because it, 
you know, it just looks like a bunch of concrete and they're working on it. And when we went back a few years later, it was in all of its glory. And the legend is that you, um, you throw a, a coin in the fountain, the Trevi fountain, and you'll, you'll return to Rome. If you throw another coin, you'll meet new love. You'll find romance. If you throw a third coin in at that time, eventually a beautiful Roman wedding. That's the, that's the magic. That's also the story behind Three Coins in the Fountain, that Academy Award winning film from the 50s. But, you know, trying to think about all the coins that tourists throw in there, there have been a lot of tourists in Rome lately. NBC News did some investigative reporting, and I love this. They collect one and a half million dollars in the Trevi Fountain every single year. And it goes to a Catholic nonprofit group called Caritas. Caritas. They support different causes all around the, around the world relating to health and disaster relief and poverty and helping refugees get resettled. So when you throw that coin in the fountain, hoping for love and maybe marriage or a magical Roman adventure, just know that you're doing some good. At least in this fountain, in the Trevi Fountain. We'll be right back. Opelka. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. As we reported at the end of the second hour of the show, it looks like the vote on the health care bill will be delayed. Just as it looks like Mitch McConnell's announcement of the delay of the health care bill vote will be delayed. Oh, DC, you're too much. You're too much. Just, you know, we're going to, we're going to delay the bill. Just put out a press release. Again, this is all about ceremony and not about policy. This just makes my argument that we ended the hour with last hour. All these guys care about is camera time. It's like they're members of the White House press pool. Oh, did I say that out loud? Yes, I did. The White House press pool, Jim Acosta, still still got his his drawers in a bunch after uh, after not having the cameras on again yesterday. And today, whenever CNN announces that we're going to have a White House press briefing soon, they announce, and for the first time in a week, we will have cameras present. Oh, thank God. Thank God Jim Acosta won't have put on his makeup for no reason today. Thank God CNN's 
George Clooney stunt double won't have wasted his time in hair and makeup today. Really? Just, it's, it's so idiotic. And speaking of idiotic, you know, I, I didn't need any help getting pushed over the edge today into the, into the crazy zone. But my friend and colleague, Kate Scanlon, has done so. And it has nothing to do with another dumb Harry Potter reference. It has everything to do with, with something even crazier. You know, we talk about a female president in this country, and I, I think there are many women who are, are brilliant enough, strong enough, vital enough to handle the job of president of the United States. Many. Carly Fiorina comes to mind, as a matter of fact, as one such person. But then when Cosmopolitan magazine puts out a list of seven women who could be our first female president, I think, okay, let's see what Cosmo has done. Let's see. Let's see if Carly made the list. Let's see if my, my governmental crush, Nikki Haley, the UN ambassador, could make the list. Yeah, I think she certainly has a great grasp of how to run things. She was a great governor in South Carolina. She handled some pretty touchy situations with uh, the Confederate flag issue. And in the UN, I think she's done really well. But uh, surely, surely that uh, that list of seven women who could be our first female president must include maybe Carly Fiorina, and it certainly has to include Nikki Haley, right? Well, let's look, shall we? And I'm betting it's got Hillary Clinton, right? Because she almost was, right? She was almost there. If she'd only persisted, oops. Seven women who could be our first female president. Thank you, Cosmopolitan magazine. Uh, They named one of them, Kirsten Gillibrand, the junior senator from New York State. She's the one who's been dropping F-bombs everywhere she goes lately. And I've ridden the train from New York to Delaware with Senator Gillibrand sat across from the senator for an hour and a half and had a lovely chat. She didn't use the F word once, but she treated her staff well. And I thought, you know, interesting person, smart, not a dummy, just liberal. The second person on the Cosmo list, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris has been in office uh, just a couple of months. California senator, former attorney general, California They've already named her as a presidential possible. She, she's got presidential timber. Come on now. She's a dolt. Absolute dolt. And then, of course, no list of females running for the White House would be complete without Elizabeth Warren. I could spend an hour clearing the air about Elizabeth Warren. Nevertheless, she persisted. Elizabeth Warren is probably uh, the most dangerous female in the Democratic Party to me. The most dangerous female. And it's not just because 
she actually can peel paint with the shrill voice when she gets going. But she's she's capable of rallying older and younger progressives. And she knows how to put the the buzzwords together, talking about saving the middle class. It's only the fact that she's so closely aligned to Bernie Sanders and the socialism that I think she will never be president of the United States. I would love it if she would be the uh, candidate in 2020. The next person on this is Cosmopolitan's list of seven women who could be the next president or the first female president of the United States. I'm still looking for Carly Fiorina or, um, or Nikki Haley. Why aren't they there? Or Ivanka Trump, maybe. But the next one, Amy Klobuchar, senator from Minnesota. She's not making a lot of waves out there nationally, but guess what? MSNBC seems to be giving her a whole lot of screen time. So uh, I would pay attention to that. And my question is, does she have a book out? Because they, if they're going to run for the White House, they have to have a book out. The next one, the next three, I think, are actual real possibilities. They don't, again, no sign of Nikki Haley, no sign of Carly Fiorina. Tammy Duckworth. Tammy Duckworth is, I think, the Democrats' secret weapon. If she's not a presidential candidate, I guarantee you this would be an incredible vice presidential candidate as well. Tammy Duckworth served this nation. She's a veteran. She lost both of her legs in Iraq. She was in a helicopter that was shot down. She lost both of her legs. She's a mom. She's multicultural. Her mom is Thai and Chinese. And in that same combination, they have an ancestor on her father's side who fought in the American Revolution. And, and this is also pretty cool about Tammy Duckworth. She's a great speaker. I think the Democrats would be very smart to start putting Tammy Duckworth through candidate school as soon as possible. I'm not trying to help them out. I know some of you are going to go, Mike, what are you doing? Look, it's in Cosmo. That means every liberal female is reading it and half of the liberal guys are reading it so they can figure out how to, how to, how to perform well in the boudoir because that's what's in Cosmo aside from this silly list. Tammy Duckworth, one of the seven women that Cosmo has said could become the first female president. Again, missing from this list, not a single Republican. Also missing, a Jill Stein didn't seem to make it either, did she? The Green candidate didn't make it in there. The last two on the Cosmo list, no shock. Sheryl Sandberg. Sheryl Sandberg, Chief Operating Officer of Facebook. I have uh, stood in the same room as Sheryl Sandberg, shook her hand, said hello to her. She looks you in the eye when she talks to you. She would have been possibly in the Clinton administration had Hillary won. She's very successful. She doesn't need to work for a living. Pretty sure. She says, not interested. Sorry. And maybe she's playing, playing the honesty card here because, frankly, uh, she's had 
She's had a difficult life lately. She's had some personal tragedies, the loss of a husband. So Sheryl Sandberg, um, an interesting pick. But um, Cosmo, I think you would have been better served putting Carly Fiorina or Nikki Haley in there. And of course, the perennial addition to this list. I know what you're thinking, Hillary Clinton. No, Hillary's not on the list. Do you think she's pissed? Do you think Hillary is not happy about not making the Cosmo list of the seven women who could become the first president of the United States? Oh, you betcha she is. Why isn't she on the list? Is she too old, Cosmo? Did she commit the mortal sin of living too long? No, the seventh name on the list is the one that uh, obviously gets thrown on every list. Every time someone mentions a female president, it's Oprah. Somebody that, uh, that could win based just on her TVQ, her Q scores, her likability. And Oprah said it's never going to happen. And you have to wonder why is it never going to happen? Now, Trump, Trump kind of said he'd never do it, but Trump flirted with it a little bit. Oprah has said, has said things about running, but never really seriously. She's got enough money. But I, I'm telling you, the rumor mill on Oprah and her personal life would probably be the biggest thing that she would have to get past. And Oprah, I don't think, wants to go through that. She already gets enough questions about her personal life. Like, has anyone seen Stedman? I'm just saying. Get Gail King on the phone and ask her if she's seen Stedman. But no. Uh, so for, for your seven, seven names, Cosmo, your seven names of women who could be our first female president, well, first of all, you get major points taken off for having no no mention at all of any conservative candidates. And second, Oprah, really? Sheryl Sandberg? I guess you got to put billionaires in there because Donald Trump won. But I, I would tell you, if I were handicapping this race right now based on these candidates, I would put at the very top one or two, Tammy Duckworth, and you know Elizabeth Warren's going to be there. But ultimately, and I think Cosmo gets this more than anybody, you have to have a telegenic candidate. I know it's shallow to say that, but anyone, anyone debate that with me? I think you're, you're looking at Kamala Harris and then Tammy Duckworth. And we'll go from there. But we'll see. Meet me here in uh, 2019 when, when the campaigns are in full swing. And we'll see if I got any of this right. Michael Pelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Do you want to know? Do you want to know why we, the people, are so ticked off, so disillusioned with government? Do you want to know why Donald Trump's in the White House? Look no further than what's happened in the last 30 minutes, maybe the last 45 minutes, when word leaked out and leaked intentionally that uh, the health care bill was going to be delayed. The vote was not going to happen this week, that Mitch McConnell wanted some changes to the bill, and he wanted the CBO to have another chance to rescore the bill, and that we weren't going to have the vote. Okay? I've gotten... Um, I'm looking at my smartphone right now because when news breaks, it hits your smartphone in a matter of minutes. And I'm scrolling through the, oh, yeah, there's one, two, three, four, five different uh, announcements. The most recent 20 minutes ago from CNN. So 20 minutes ago, just after the top of the hour, CNN hit the digital message button to all of the subscribers. So that was 20 minutes ago saying Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says the health care bill needs work. There will be no vote this week, sources say. Boom, the New York Times, 23 minutes ago. Mitch McConnell was forced to postpone a vote on the Senate health care bill as he faced increasing opposition from his own party. Boom. We knew that. So why are we wasting time with this announcement that's going to tell us what we already know, give us no additional information, and it's just taking up the time and sucking the life out of all of us? Just put out a note. We'll be back. We'll tell you what we're doing. Hang tight. And I'm sure a lot of these people are asking, does that mean we have to stay around till Friday? Can I go home now? Do we, do we really need to stick around? If we're not voting Thursday, can I, I can get a better rate to get home to my district if I don't wait till Friday. You know that's what they're doing because they don't care about you and me. They don't. They're, there's a handful of them who are saying we're sticking to our guns. And, you know, I, I think this attack that the GOP, the GOP had this attack on itself I'm talking about Senator Heller from Nevada, the guy who was attacked by the pro-Trump super PAC. And and they were running ads against him, basically saying he's not going to support us. So we're going to go after him. We're going to primary him. Really? We're going to do that to our own party? Apparently, the president has called the Republican senators to the White House today at four o'clock. I don't think he's invited the uh, Democrats yet, but he's invited the Republican senators to join him at four o'clock today. And I would love to be a fly on the wall. And based on the leaks in the White House, I'm sure we'll know exactly what's going on. But guys like Heller and Johnson and uh, Collins and, and Rand Paul making sure this, this bill which really was Obamacare light and didn't accomplish what the, those people were elected to accomplish. It's, it's currently, uh, well, it's moved from, uh, what, what did they, they kind of were positive earlier in the week, Sunday and, and, and Monday, it sounded like these guys were thinking, well, maybe we can get to 50 and Mike Pence will come in and ride on in and, and break the tie. Now it looks like it's, it's on life support. 
And uh, now one, but it must be getting close to time for for um, McConnell to come down the hall because other senators are now bleeding out to try and take advantage of this press scrum. Marco Rubio's out there talking to press right now, and we'll see. I need to get to the other story of the day that I think is actually big news. Aside from this health care bill that you knew about, you knew it wasn't going to pass. You guys voted on the vital question yesterday. I need to get to the story about um, Bashar al-Assad. Apparently, the United States military has picked up from our monitoring, I guess it's satellite monitoring or whatever, that the air base that we hit, remember when we hit the 59 cruise missiles, slapped Assad and knocked out a bunch of his planes after the chemical attack? Well, that, that air base is back operating. It was back operating a few days later. And what we have found is it looks like they're moving equipment around as if they're getting ready to do some kind of attack, some kind of strike. And because this air base still has the capabilities to deliver some weapons with chemical agents attached to them, we're very nervous. And we're very concerned that Assad might just do that again. After all, who's stopping him? Seriously. The, the Russians have told us if, if we don't behave, they'll shoot our planes down if we go west of the Euphrates River. So when we get back, I want to talk about the fact that that we are, are now kind of hinting that if Assad even thinks about sending another chemical attack, that we're going to do something. And that seems to go against what President Trump campaigned on. That seems to fly in the face of the promises Donald Trump made. I'll play you the president's own words and give the update when we get back on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. A lot going on, a lot to still try and fit in before the liberty-loving Latino Chris Salcedo gets in here right after this show. Don't forget, don't forget, if you have pain in your knees, your back, your neck, your joints, and it's because of inflammation, there's help. There's help that works for me. It's called Relief Factor. It's all natural. I just, uh, I just took my luncheon packet. I take a, a packet of Relief Factor at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I do it three times a day. And it has reduced the inflammation in my joints to the point where I no longer need to take any pain medication. And it's been that way for over 11 weeks. It is really remarkable for me. And so many people I've talked to, people not only in the company, but people who listen to this radio show. Some of you even interacted on Facebook about Relief Factor. And I I wrote on Facebook, and I mean it 100%. 
I am a paid spokesperson, a compensated endorser of Relief Factor, but I would not be if it did not work. Try it. Get the three-week quick start pack for $19.95. Three-week quick start pack. Most people see some results in seven to ten days. I can remember the eighth day because you guys were listening to me talking about it. And it was on, on that day I stopped. I put down the bottle with the little green liquid gel caps in it. And I have not touched any kind of pain relief at all since that eighth day. Call Relief Factor, 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. You, you can talk to one of their people. They'll help you out. They'll explain it more. But it's all natural. It's fish oil and some spices that work together. Boy, does it work for me. Go to relieffactor.com for more information or call them. Get the three-week quick start pack for $19.95. 20 bucks. 800-500-8384. Relief Factor. Now, when we went away, I was talking about Syria. And this situation really troubles me because it sounds like we're getting ready to launch an attack on Syria. It sounds like we are getting ready to get deeper into this this war, which I still think feels like a proxy war between the United States and Russia, with Syria just being the playground. And if if we are telling Syria, hey, if you guys are thinking about another chemical attack, uh, don't, then that's that's a problem for me anyway. And it, it seems to be a contradiction from Donald Trump. If you remember back uh, back in April, Donald Trump appeared on Fox Business News with Maria Bartiromo. And they were talking about North Korea. And Donald Trump brought up this point all throughout the campaign as well. He talked about not wanting to give away what we would do, you know, not announce, oh, in 30 days, we're going to be marching in and taking over Mosul. He said he preferred the surprise. And this is what he had to say about North Korea at that time. You never know, do you? You never know. That's all you're going to say. You know, say. I don't talk about the military. Yes. I'm not like Obama, where they talk about in four months we're raiding, we're going to hit Mosul. And in the meantime, they get ready and like you never saw. Look, they're still fighting. Mosul was supposed to last for a week, and now they've been fighting it for many months. And so many more people died. I don't want to talk about it. We are sending an armada, very powerful. We have submarines, very powerful, far more powerful than the aircraft carrier, that I can tell you. And we have the best military people on earth. And I will say this, he is doing the wrong thing. So Trump actually kind of, he didn't say what we were, we were doing, but he was saying, look, we have ships and we have submarines, very powerful. But he has said all throughout, we don't like to announce the plans, these, these months and months and months and months of plans. And then today it comes out, hey, we're, we're warning Assad, don't do anything stupid with the chemical weapons. So are we doing something or aren't we doing something? What are we doing, sir? It really is kind of crazy, kind of strange. I also promised you I was, going to, uh, I was going to say something or play you something from uh, Prager University, which I really think is great. 
Uh, I really think it's uh, a, a wonderful, a wonderful story. And it goes back in time. It kind of covers our our history lesson every day. We love to talk about history on this show. And um, th- they did something at Prager University this week, which I just think is uh, a great example of how our politics have shifted. And I'll play it and stop it a little bit. But I want you to make sure you visit Prager University, Prager U on the YouTubes. Support them. They are delivering all kinds of great, great educational materials. Because, you know, when we think about great presidents, everybody points back to, or at least in where I grew up in Chicago, there were portraits on most of the homes in the south side of Chicago that had two pictures next to each other. You had Martin Luther King Jr. and JFK. And the Democrats will always point to JFK and say, what a great president he was. But was he really? Was he more like a Democrat or a Republican? Check this out. Was not a Republican. The answer, John F. Kennedy. When he was elected president in 1960, Kennedy's views were considered mainstream in the Democratic Party. But while the Kennedy name is still revered by the Democrats today, the policies he espoused are not. Ronald Reagan, America's 40th president, who was a Democrat much of his life, famously said, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The party left me. So if Kennedy were alive now, which party would he belong to? Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about looking at candidates positions, especially a guy like Kennedy, who the Democrats have looked at as an icon for decades? But what about his policies? Where would he be today? It's impossible to know, of course, but we can compare his political positions to those of today's Democratic Party. On race, JFK disliked the idea of using racial preferences and quotas to make up for historic racism and discrimination. Today, affirmative action is Democratic Party orthodoxy. But Kennedy thought such policies were counterproductive. I don't think we can undo the past, Kennedy said. We have to do the best we can now. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a Democrat going against affirmative action? Can you imagine a Democrat saying anything like that and still surviving even a local school board election, much less getting to the presidency? I don't think quotas are a good idea. We are too mixed, this society of ours, to begin to divide ourselves on the basis of race or color. On taxes, Kennedy was an ardent proponent of across-the-board tax cuts. What? What? This one will break the hearts of all your Democratic friends. This is the one that I quote more often than not. When I talk about Democrats versus Republicans, iconic presidents like John F. Kennedy, the last Democratic president to cut taxes, Kennedy got it. The explanation is clear. Leaving that more cash in the hands of all Americans, including the so-called wealthy, and a lighter footprint from the IRS would grow the economy. A tax cut means higher family income and higher business profits, Kennedy said in an address to the nation shortly before his death. Can you imagine? Almost two months before his death, Kennedy talked about 
putting tax cuts into effect that would mean higher family incomes, higher business profits. Just an amazing thing. But wait, there's more. Payer and his family will have more money left over after taxes for a new car, a new home, new conveniences, education, and investment. Every businessman can keep a higher percentage of his profits in his cash register or put it to work expanding or improving his business. On foreign policy, Kennedy was very firm about his red lines. Unbelievable, right? This is, this is a piece that bears sitting down and playing. It's, it's four and a half minutes long. It talks about Kennedy on taxes. Again, he believed in tax cuts. He believed in putting the hand, money in the hands of the individual. He talked about the, the, the lack of need for racial quotas. He talked about uh, a strong military for America. He responded to when the, the Soviets put the missiles 90 miles away from our borders in Cuba with one of the boldest moves. I can't even imagine what Barack Obama would have done if the Russians had tried to put nuclear missiles in Cuba while he was president. I know it would have involved a change of underwear. But JFK, with all of his... All of his uh, stances on things like strength through peace or peace through strength. You have strength that brings peace. And Kennedy said, when our arms are sufficient on doubt, we can be certain beyond doubt that they will never be employed. Kennedy also was one of several presidents who were lifelong members of, anybody want to guess? The NRA. John Fitzgerald Kennedy along with Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, George H.W. Bush, Dwight Eisenhower, Teddy Roosevelt, William Howard Taft, and Ulysses S. Grant, believer in the Second Amendment. He talked about a, a, and, uh, citizens who were uh, ready to protect the nation, armed citizens, looking at it as a freedom as basic as anything in this country. So Kennedy would have been the guy who uh, Democrats probably would have said, if you just looked at the character of the candidate and their positions on these issues, do you think John F. Kennedy would be today considered a Republican or a Democrat? It's a pretty interesting lesson. I'll tweet out a link to it. Uh, the Prager University clips, they're five minutes of education you get them pretty regularly, and I think they're worth supporting. But I just thought it was, a, especially on a day like today, when we have so much confusion between these parties, when we have so many people who all seem to be progressives at the end of the day, that we actually had a Democratic president who believed in tax cuts, freedom, strong military, a member of the NRA, so many of the things that we would cherish in a president. Mike Opelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka. 
Welcome back to Piero Pelka. Wrapping up a, a, a show that's gone a lot of different directions today. I have to get to the story about the town that elected the dog mayor for the fourth time. But I also have a story. Uh, it's popping in New York. I haven't seen this in too many other places. In the New York City Post, the Post of New York, kind of the conservative paper, uh, is reporting that Joe Biden wanted to punch a hedge fund person named Bill Ackman, a guy he referred to as, uh, quote, a wise ass, close quote, at a, um, a dinner in Las Vegas. Apparently, the former VP actually put a fist up to the billionaire after they got into a little uh, exchange at a VIP dinner. Details are just coming out. This happened last month. Witnesses said at the end of the dinner, Biden made a fist and held it up to Ackman's face and said, if I could, I'd punch you in the face. And initially, there was a rumor that maybe Ackman made a comment about Biden's late son, Bo, and no, that isn't the case. It happened, apparently, when Biden was asked to comment on Trump and the vice president, the former vice president, said, I'm going to have to be careful what I say about him. And the billionaire hedge fund guy goes, after all these years, why start now? Which is a great, great answer as far as I'm concerned. And that's when it got a little testy. And uh, Biden reportedly said something like, I'd like to knock this guy on his ass. But it was apparently taken in jest. I don't know. And then apparently one source said Biden asked who is this a hole? Only he completed the word. So uh, we'll see. Maybe Joe Biden's throwing his hat back in the ring for 2020. So Cosmo, calm down about all those women you're trying to elect. Joe Biden may want a shot. And as far as the dog goes, Rabbit Hash, Kentucky. Yeah, there's a town in Kentucky called Rabbit Hash. If you drive through it, don't blink. But Rabbit Hash, Kentucky has elected a dog, a mayor, for the fourth time. The dog beat out a cat, a chicken, a donkey, and a little boy. It's kind of a ceremonial position, if you didn't guess. A dog as a mayor. There are some towns I think this might be an improvement. I'm just saying. Tomorrow we'll find out what happened with the Democrats who are getting caught or with the Republicans who are getting called over to the White House tonight. I expect there's going to be some finger wagging. We'll see you here tomorrow. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.